Welcome to America's Top Rabbitsons. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Rabbitsons YouTube page or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. May this class be for Rafu Shalema, for Tamara Bat Elka, and also for Rachel Devora Batroshana. I am honored to have on today's show Melinda Ribner. Melinda is an international pioneer in the field of Jewish meditation, having taught Jewish meditation, meditative Kabbalah, healing, and spiritual transformation workshops for over 40 years. She works as a spiritual psychotherapist with individuals, couples, and families. Melinda has been a Torah lecturer and a workshop leader for over 30 years. She is the author of six books on meditation, Kabbalah, spiritual transformation, and biblical women. Wow, you have done so much. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. I think that bio pretty much said everything that I'm that I'm continuing to do, except I'm doing zoom classes on meditation that are free and a youtube channel and i'm doing i was doing last year we did we studied duties of the heart on zoom which was quite important relevant meaningful and this year we're we're working on what i call the empowered feminine which is looking at uh the life stories of biblical women and seeing the choices that they made often independent of their husbands that took the world forward and, and actually saved the Jewish people. So that's exciting. Um, So, you know, I have been teaching zoom shortly after COVID started you know, several months when we when we were all in isolation and, and frightened. Yes. And you know, so it's been a real joy for me to to share this experience with people and 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 feel that it is impacting in meaningful ways in their life. For sure, for sure. And we, today we're going to talk about a topic that's very important, but I don't think people realize how important this is. Each Hebrew month has its own power and its own energy, and if we're able to tap into it at the right time, meaning during that particular Hebrew month, we can gain so much in terms of spiritual growth, in terms of abundance. And so today we're we're currently in the Hebrew month of Tevet. And as you shared you're in your beautiful newsletters, according to Kabbalah, every Hebrew month offers this unique spiritual opportunities and blessings. And in each month, there are changes in the spiritual energies that are available. So those who are tuned to these energies are aware of these changes and know how to use this knowledge for their own personal growth. So I want to see if you can please talk to us about the month of Tevet and its unique energies. Okay, yes. Well, Tevet is an unusual month. The Jewish calendar is divided between Yaakov and Esau. And and there's only two months, two and a half months that have been allotted now to Esau. And one of the months is the month of Tevet. Interesting, okay. Yeah, and, and we're taught in our ancient texts that the month of Tevet is about the purification of anger, jealousy, and negative other negative emotions. And it's so it's interesting that we do this at this time, which is often the coldest time of the year. And it 
And it's a time when we can get easily heated up with anger and jealousy, maybe more than at other times of the year, which gives us this opportunity to uproot these negative qualities, to witness them, to, to not allow ourselves to um, be reactive to what be becomes triggered within ourselves, right. and that we can heal ourselves in a deeper level. So actually, according to the Baal Shem Tov, that the month of Tevis is a time of great light, but the light is concealed in the darkness. So we have to penetrate deeper inside to be able to liberate the light that's been encased in darkness and jealousy. So it's, it's you know, and, and how do we know this? You know, I wrote a book called Kabbalah Month by Month, and, and everything is really rooted in the permutation of the divine name, the Yud Kevavke, and the, how the placement of those letters gives us information about the divine flow. And we look at the Torah portions, we look at the holidays, we look, every month has a tribe, every month has a Hebrew letter, every month has a fixing. And the month of Tevis is about uh, really doing the inner work to liberate oneself from the negative tendencies of anger and jealousy because they take a, a big toll on a person. Oh, definitely. Yes. And, and when somebody is angry at us and we respond with anger, it just escalates the situation and causes greater separation between the people. And there's always an opportunity for people to come together in a respectful, honoring way with each other that facilitates healing, healing within oneself and healing in the relationship. So we have that opportunity, particularly in this month of Tevis, to be able to, to transform our reactive ways of interrelating with other people to be more responsive and you know I always tell my clients it's important to make I statements okay don't blame people for the feelings that are triggered within you I can say make these accusatory you you did this you do that you know that that only pushes people away right Right. But it's so hard. You know, sometimes when you're triggered, when somebody does say something to you and you're really triggered, they they just they just hit that spot and you you just explode, you know, and I understand that it's you that's triggered and it's you that ex that's exploding. And, you know, that's that's where we have to work on, you know, that that's where the inner growth comes in. But like, how do you do that? How do you prevent yourself from becoming angry when somebody says something or if somebody does something or puts you in a situation that just it just infuriates you? Well, I think. You know, the most important thing to do is to breathe, to pause. Okay, pause. I like in, that. Mm -hmm. To get in touch with what, what has been triggered within you and to take responsibility for it and say, you know, 
I feel sad. I feel angry. I feel hurt when you said this. That That is allowing for a conversation to take place. But if you just go, oh, you are so careless, you are so selfish, you don't care about me, and you always do that, or something, you know, accusatory you statements, that just pushes people away. So you have to, you know, the other thing is to get in the habit of speaking in a soft voice. Okay. So, so okay, I take a few breaths. I get in touch with what I'm feeling. And I express it. And when I express my feelings, I'm actually allowing myself to be vulnerable in front of this person. Right. I feel sad, I feel hurt. I'm being vulnerable. And when I'm vulnerable, I'm actually allowing for compassion and connection. So um, sometimes people are afraid to be vulnerable, but being vulnerable is the, is the opening to to make a connection and, and also to receive blessings from Hashem. You know, if we're angry at God or we're angry at people, we've cut off the conversation. We've cut off that connection. I once was teaching meditation. This is like 15 years ago. And I do a lot of breathing and relaxation and visualization. And after the class was over, this woman came up to me and she said, I love the breathing, the relaxation, the visualization. But then you mentioned that G word. God. You mentioned God. Yeah. And I don't want to hear anything about that. So I explored with her. I said, why is that? She said, well, I prayed to that G when my son was ill and he died. And so I cut off any contact. And it was sad because by being connected to Hashem, she had an opportunity to receive consolation. For the loss if she could have come to god i'm so brokenhearted i'm so sad my my precious son you know she, she could have reached out to others the community could have reached out to her she could have reached out and she could receive consolation and comfort but if we cut off conversation with hashem or with other people because we're angry we've only increased that separation that takes a toll not just on us but on relationships on communities that we don't feel united as human beings right so i work as a therapist so i see firsthand how easy people can be triggered in relationships yes and people that they love or have children with and yet the trigger 
makes it feel impossible. And sometimes they feel I have to divorce this person because I can't live with such a, a person who is so mean and cruel. And because they're not seeing it from their from a larger perspective. They're only seeing and experiencing their own wounded child. And, and so that they have to learn how to, if a person isn't loving or honoring to you, it's often a reflection that you're not loving and honoring of yourself. Right, because people are mirrors. Like what we see in other people is really what we have within ourselves that we need to work on. It's such a fascinating concept. I love this concept because you know what? And a lot of times it's ugly. Like I'm being very honest. If you see like a negative character trait in somebody else, maybe they have a bad temper. Maybe they're jealous. Maybe they're selfish. Maybe, you know, maybe they're sloppy. Whatever that is that you see in them, if it bothers you, if it irks you, it really means that you have that inside of yourself and that's what you have to work on inside of yourself. And sometimes like we don't want to know. We don't want to know those negative, ugly details. We know, we know it already, but we don't want it to be brought up to the surface. And the, those people, they bring it up, you know, to the surface and it kind of, it bothers us. And that's partially why we're triggered. And and we should actually thank those persons. Yes. Thank you. I'm being aware that there's this part within me that I've been stuffing inside mm -hmm. that actually wants to be heard, wants to be loved, wants to be accepted. You know, a lot of times people think that they can stuff feelings inside and they go away. No, they don't. They take a psychic toll on you and don't allow you to really open. So by allowing yourself to feel what's there for you and to love and accept yourself, even with all of these negative feelings, to not judge yourself. That's the Yetzirah that stands in judgment. When we connect to our own soul and connect to Hashem, we feel... I'm not perfect, but I'm loved. Right. I'm lovable. And 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 I'm happy I came here to do something beautiful and 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 meaningful. And I'm not going to allow myself to be so critical of myself or to stuff my feelings. And that's the root of all kinds of addictions that people have. You know, I don't want to feel my, how can I get rid of this feeling? Okay. I'll eat, I'll watch TV, I'll smoke, I'll, I'll play video games. I'll do whatever. Cause to feel, not to feel the woundedness of, of our own little child. So if that child within us is crying for attention, for love, who is the best person to give that child that attention? It's us. For sure. And you bring up an amazing point. I think a lot of people struggle with this and some people don't even realize that they're struggling with it, you know, because they're just so used to it. It's just normal, you know. 
But yeah, we do all have a wounded inner child inside of us. And we do all need that self-love, that self-acceptance, that self-validation, you know, that it's okay to be however you are, you know, and just to love yourself. Instead of looking for validation outside of you, it's to love yourself. It's accept yourself. And that way you build that self-esteem and that self-confidence. You have a foundation. You have a self. Exactly. And and looking for it outside of yourself is never going to fill the empty spaces within you because right. people can praise you and say how wonderful you are. But if you don't resonate with that, you know, that actually makes you feel worse. That's what we, unfortunately, we see so many people who are famous and they seem to have everything that the world provides and then they commit suicide. Yeah. Because it just magnifies their own inner emptiness and they don't know how to deal with the emptiness that they feel inside. And, and I have this, uh, I have this series on my YouTube from duties of the heart. And one of the most important lectures I gave is only God can fill those empty places. And, you know, so you have to, you know, find a way to anchor yourself in, and that which is greater than your limited sense of your personal self. And um, and so, you know, learning to love yourself is is very basic. And, and we do learn that if we have received love from our parents, but too often people didn't get that 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 foundation of unconditional love early on right right so then that becomes a challenge that's the thing you know and i look at people sometimes you know listen people come from all different families nothing is anybody's fault everything is by design from god so it's for sure nobody is at fault but you know sometimes you see people who are raised by these wonderful fantastic parents they knew how to talk to the child they knew how to parent the child they knew what to do with the child when the child got hurt when the child did something wrong when the child did something right they kind of knew and that child has been raised with self-confidence with self-love with self-esteem but then you have like really the opposite maybe the parents weren't present at all or maybe they were present but maybe they were abusive maybe they yelled every time the, the child left their socks on the floor or maybe they they maybe they were physically abusive or emotionally abusive or they just didn't know how to talk to the child they didn't praise them they did nothing and then that child grows up to be like a walking wound for lack of a better terminology and right. like you know, when you don't know better, you can't do better. You know, we don't know what we don't know. And that's the crazy part. We don't know what we don't know. If we don't know how to talk to other people, if we don't know how to talk to ourselves and give ourselves that self-nurturing, that self-love, we we legitimately don't know. It's not that we're bad people. We just legitimately don't know. So what I want to try to help people see, you know, if they legitimately, legitimately don't know, like I want to try to help them give them the tools, maybe just maybe two or three tools or strategies that they can implement in their lives. Just how do I love myself? How do I build myself? How do I validate myself? Like, what do I do? How do I find what I need within myself without going to you or going to him or going to them and saying, love me, validate me, or even worse, like you said, taking drugs or, or drinking too much or, or playing video games all the time. Like, how do I fill that void in myself? Yes. Yeah. And usually if you have the void in the self, you know, people, people bond in marriages with people that they think are going to love them. Like the yeah. they never were loved before, but they find that the person that they bonded with is just as wounded as they are. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, so it's no accident. So there's opportunities, I think, where a therapist can really be helpful to help people who are married or people who are single to do that healing work of learning how to love themselves, you know, and, and really learning how to open to Hashem's love, which is really the only love that is real and authentic. And, but we each have that capacity to feel that. But, you know, I'm always telling my clients, you know, give yourself a hug. Hug yourself. You know, breathe. Say sweet things to yourself. I like that. Affirmations. I was actually recently learning about um, affirmations. I, I'm taking a class. And in that class, they were talking about affirmations. You know, I was talking to my daughter about it this morning. She was upset about something. And I just told her, you know, repeat to yourself affirmations, even if you don't believe them. It could be anything. I am kind. I am sweet. I am neat. I am good. And they have them on YouTube. They have people saying affirmations. They say it and then you repeat after them. And it's really, you know, it seems silly in the beginning. I'm not going to lie. It seems silly in the beginning. But if you do it for 21 days, because it takes 21 days to form a habit, it actually works. And you start believing what you're telling yourself, even if it even if you don't believe in the beginning. But yeah, the affirmation you have to know is really the truth of who you really are. Deep, deep down inside. Yeah. I once, I once, many, many years ago, I don't do affirmations now, but many, many years ago, I was doing affirmations for myself. And every day I would have this affirmation and I would say, Mindy, which is my name, my nickname, I am loving and lovable. That's beautiful. I love that. I am loving and lo lovable. And what was so interesting to me, in not so much time, people came up to me and started to say, Mindy, you're so loving and lovable. And I thought, wow, this is powerful. Wow. <laughs> you know, because I, I absorbed... Um, I knew that that really is the truth of who I am. I am a loving and I am a lovable person. But I didn't always feel that way. Because, right. you know, things weren't working out in certain relationships. So, but, you know, if you recognize that the affirmation really is who you really are. And I we, like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We masquerade and thinking so little of ourselves true and and we have to come back to recognizing you know uh the gift that we have of being a human being with a precious divine soul we have to we have to when we realize really who we are who cares what other people think about us who who don't have that kind of clarity within themselves. We we keep looking for people to love and approve us, but they don't love and approve themselves either. So how can they love and approve you? You know, so we all have to do that. Uh, everybody has to do that inner work of loving, accepting themselves and wanting to be 
the person God created them to be. It's exactly. It's right. You're right on point about that. And then I want to see. I want to see if we can tie this into to Tevet because Tevet, you were saying that now is the time. This is a month we we really have like that access, the spiritual energy to help us achieve this. You know, to help us love ourselves more, get rid of the anger, affirm ourselves, like get rid of all those negative feelings and tendencies. Yeah, and I think the way out, which is in the story of Yosef, which we read in this parsha. Here he was, sold into slavery by his brothers, and he life was not so easy until he became the head of Egypt. Yes. And when he talks to his brothers, he says, don't feel guilty. Don't feel afraid. Understand, it was God who was directing, directing my life. And he could forgive because he knew that everything that he went through had a higher purpose. Sometimes we don't know this at the time when we're going through a challenge. We don't always see what the growth opportunity there is and what the purpose of it was. And we can feel angry at people, we can feel angry at Hashem. We just says that in the story that I told you. But if we realize that as human beings, we don't have the entire picture. Right. We only have our self-interest, our limited self-interest. You know, so we could say, I said this in the group, you know, we can go through something very challenging in our life. And after we recover, we come to understand, I grew through that and I can be helpful to people because I know that experience that they're having now. So I can deepen the connection. I can be of greater service. And who's to know that the soul didn't come into this world willing to undergo hardship so as to be able to serve other people? We don't know the the story but we do know that god is in charge and that everything god does is good has meaning and purpose and so it behooves us to reflect on that and to realize you know they say that being angry and jealous is like believing in idols it's like you want the world to be according to your self-interest and and who's to say that that's the best for the world right so we have to we have to have a larger perspective to understand that um even the hardships like yosef had to go through hell to emerge and to be able to save the jewish people and and that this was all part of the divine plan because Avraham received a, a prophecy that his descendants were going to be in Egypt. So all, all of this was just an unfolding of the divine plan. But if you were just to look at one event, you can say, oh my God, the Jews, they were in Egypt and they suffered. 
terribly, but it was all part of the divine plan. So they came, so they went out and 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 they took, you know, they took most of the good Egyptians out with them. Right. And and the Egyptian society at the time began to collapse. So the ancient Egypt does not exist anymore, but the Jewish people do. That's right. That's right. And it's really, really important. I'm so glad you, that you pointed out because everything is part of God's divine plan. You know, we, we see only a little snippet, a snippet that angers us, that inconveniences us, a snippet that doesn't go along to the way that we made the plan. It's different from the way that we would have wanted it. And we get upset about it. And you know, understandably so. Like it's, it's understandable. It's a human thing to get upset that that things didn't go according to the way that you wanted them to go. It's totally human. But if we can, just like you said before, just pause, just take a breath, just zoom out. That's what I call it. I call it zooming out. You know, and just see that this little snippet is part of a bigger picture. And there was a reason that this happened. We might not know the reason. We might not like the reason. But it, it, there is a reason, and the reason is for the best, and it's for the best because it serves a whole global purpose, even, again, if we don't understand what it is, even if we don't know what it is. So that kind of helps to give us that perspective. That perspective. And we also don't have control right? of it either. Yeah. You know, I have a, a student whose daughter has cancer. I'm sorry. She's very ill. I'm sorry. And she has to learn very firsthand that's hard but that's a hard thing but even everybody that we think we have control of reality okay i can control what i'm going to eat for breakfast lunch and dinner i have certain areas where i have control but there's certain aspects of my life in the world that i don't have control and I have to give up that illusion that I have control. Right. I may even have to give up, let's say a person with, has an ill person or you have a child who is an addict. Right. Or you have a spouse who doesn't take good care of himself. And you find that, the, that you pressuring them and bribing them it's not going to affect the change that you want them to be well. You know, so we have to learn not to get angry when we can't control reality or we can't change people. But what, what we can do is be the most loving version of ourselves and just shine God's love to them and and they'll get they'll get they'll get hit by it without being told what to do they'll you know sometimes I used to do I had a boss and I first was, was a social worker and this boss would not talk to me it was really a strange thing I felt you know, doesn't he come in, tell me how I'm doing, tell me what to do? And I would sit in my office and I would think of him and I would send him good thoughts. I would send him love. I would visualize him happy, 
healthy. You know, since I had time because he wasn't telling me what to do, I wouldn't do that. And then it wasn't so long when he started to come in and talk to me, tell me some jokes, started to, you know, tell me about things that I could do. But I had a kind of, rather than being angry, why doesn't he talk to me? Why doesn't he tell me what to do? I, I just used that time to send him love, you know, and, and we have this, you know, we can sell when we light candles, we on Shabbat or other times you can do this anytime, just sending love and light and blessings to somebody without telling them what to do. Yeah. And then the light gets them and they just, they, they feel, oh, she's nice. I don't know why I like her. She's smiling. She's, and they start to open up. It turns out that this boss was, he was an ex-priest. And I was working in a mental retardation facility. And, and the truth is, he was very uncomfortable with women. Right, because he was a priest. You know, an ex-priest, right? Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't personal. It wasn't it had nothing to do with me. Right. You know, but I understood, you know, that... I come, came to understand that it, he was he rather do things himself than have to interact with me as this Jewish woman, right? So we have to not take things personally. That's what I'm always telling. Don't take things personally when a person expresses their anger at you. It's their anger. It's not about you. I love that. You're right. It really is their anger. It's how they're expressing it. They may be expressing it in your direction, but that doesn't make it your fault. It's still their anger. They have to take ownership of it. Right. And that's part of what happens in the therapeutic context of helping people to be able to express their feelings in a way that they could be heard, yeah. responded to. But if you just are expressing anger... You're, you're creating separation and and it doesn't facilitate connection. You're pushing people away. And we want to learn how to uh, facilitate connection and take responsibility for our own feelings. And, and that's the light that comes out of this month of Tebis, that that we learn this. And then we can go forward into the new month of Shvat, which is fairly soon, which is really this opportunity. You know, we read in the Torah portions in the month of Shvat, we're leaving Mitzrayim, we're crossing the Red Sea. Where, you know, the beginning of the liberation happens. It happens because we have dealt with our tendency to be angry and jealous. And we also have to realize that... Jealousy is a wasted emotion. Right. Nobody, nobody has anything more than you, than what was divine will. So if you're supposed to have it, you're going to have it. No matter what, nobody could take it away from you. You're going to have it. Yeah. Nobody can take it away from you. And, and you can't take it away from anybody else. Right. But you can make yourself miserable. You could, if you're jealous and you could cut the flow of blessing in your life, 
if you're angry and you're jealous, you know, in my, I wrote a book called New Age Judaism, which went into holistic healing, all the new age things and showed that there were Kabbalistic Jewish teachings about this. And Chaim Vital, who was the principal student of Rabbi Yitzhak Luria, mm -hmm. the great Kabbalist, the Rizal, wrote a book and said, when people are angry, they cut off the soul from their body. Yes. And that's when we get sick. Right, right, because the soul, right, the soul is the one that gives us life and gives us health. And if something's wrong with the soul, if there's a blemish on the soul, then that causes the body to have a blemish too. Well, yeah, this, there's not a blemish on the soul. The soul is pure. The soul is a part of God. It's, But what we can do is we can destroy the access that we have to our own soul. Ah, that's the difference. I'm sorry, I misspoke. You're right, yes. Yeah, I think that's that's a, such an important point. And we know when we have contact, that's why I'm teaching the meditation, because meditation allows people to experience their own soul. Right. And when they do, they feel love, they feel peace, they feel joy, they feel forgiveness. Everything is beautiful because the soul is a part of God. And we unless we access our soul, we, we live in an imprisonment of the ego, of right. the horror. So it's just us being able to lift ourselves up and see what is real, the real truth. And I find meditation and prayer is that vehicle to do so. You know, everybody has certain mitzvahs, may speak to somebody more than others, but that's the main purpose of meditation. And and what distinguishes Jewish meditation from other forms of meditation is that Jewish meditation is really uh, centered on Hashem, on God, and on accessing our connection and experiencing who we are beyond the personal experience of ourselves. That we have a soul. Right. And and that's, you know, who we are and who we will be when we leave our physical body. You know, so it's so important that we strengthen our connection to our own soul, especially when things are challenging on in the external world, that we can find that refuge and that peace and that connection within ourselves. So that's why I'm excited to be teaching Jewish meditation online and that the classes are open and free to anyone. And especially if people are having any challenges, physical challenges. Just yesterday I was teaching and I wasn't feeling very well. I had some certain kind of discomforts in my body, but I was amazed during the time of the meditation they evaporated. It's amazing. <laughs> they, they evaporated. So, you know, and it's so restorative to to be able to uh, access 
your higher self and 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 deepen your connection experience of Hashem. And so that's why I'm doing this because we're, you know, I used to teach in Manhattan. I had classes. I went all over to different states, different organizations to teach Jewish meditation. But, you know, with COVID, the gift of COVID is that here we are. We can see each other. We can talk to each other. We're not restricted. You know, I have people from California. I have people from Israel on my calls. Right. You know, that's new. For sure. It's new. Yeah, Zoom has opened up a whole new frontier. It's for sure. It is for sure. Um, we have a little bit, of, just a little bit of time left. I want to ask you one last question because I understand that in addition to the meditation, you offer a free weekly class on the empowered feminine, walking the footsteps of biblical women. This class is based on your two books on biblical women, which I mentioned earlier. Um, but the names of the books are The Secret Legacy of Biblical Women and Biblical Women Who Changed the World. So I know in these classes, you seek to understand more deeply the challenges that each biblical woman confronted and how they mirror the challenges that we currently face as women today. So then, you know, you're inspired to learn about how each biblical woman courageously acted on her own to rectify the challenge that she faced and to save the Jewish people. And many of these stories are not widely known, but they are found in the Zohar and the Midrashim, and they inspire us to be empowered women. So I was wondering if maybe you could please share us one or two stories of these biblical women and their challenges that are similar to the ones that we face today, because I'm interested to know how they confronted their challenges and how we can practically put into place those same lessons and strategies in our own lives. Yeah, that's big. Well, I wanted to speak just very briefly about Sarah. Okay. That was my inspiration for writing the book. Okay. Um, because I learned a teaching from the Zohar about how she died. Okay, how Sarah died. Okay. Not, not everybody will accept that. I know I, I gave a lecture just recently and you know, and there are many different Midrashim that actually conflict with each other. But the Zohar says that Sarah died of grief and anguish. Okay. When she had a vision that her husband was going to sacrifice her beloved son that she waited for for so long mm -hmm. and her last words were take me and not my son wow and and that's exactly what happened yeah yeah she died it's like lived and uh, Sarah died yes mm -hmm. it was a sacrifice yes and, and that's a story about Sarah that very few people know. Mm -hmm. In Sarah's life, she was always a woman. She didn't try to please people. You know, when, and she had a lot of tests. You know, you could say when Abraham, when, when they went to Egypt, he said, tell him you're, you're my sister, so it will be good with me. It's a kind of abandonment, but but Sarah and he knew that she, she Rashi says that she had control over the angels. No harm could come to Sarah. But when but when when Sarah offers Hagar 
as a surrogate for her. And, and the Midrash says that Avraham treated her like a wife. And, and Hagar was boasting, oh, I'm going, I got pregnant the first time and I'm the one who's going to be head of this holy lineage. Sarah nipped him in the bud. Yeah. She, she went to Abraham and she said, how dare you? <laughs> Basically, she confronted what was going on. Yes. And, and, and Hagar, and she was mean to Hagar. She put her in a place. Don't think you're, and, and then Hagar came back. And, and then when, after she gave birth to Yitzhak and, and Ishmael, you know, the Midrash says Ishmael was playing with the, with the bow and arrow and shooting. And he could have caused harm, even death, to Yitzhak. Right. Sarah spoke up. She said, you have to send them away. Right. You have, this was against the will of her husband. He loved both his children. But Hashem said, listen to Sarah. That's right. Listen mm -hmm. to Sarah. And uh, so here was a woman who who was able to garnish her own power and and she saved she saved Yitzhak then from Ishmael she saved Yitzhak then from her husband she did what she could and um and she doesn't really get much acknowledgement that's why when I realized this story I realized, wow, there's stories about biblical women who changed the world. And nobody knows these stories because they're mostly hidden. Right. And so that's why I was so impassioned to write this book. And there's a little difference in the two books. They're similar. The secret legacy goes more into the Kabbalistic teachings to understand that there's, according to Kabbalah, there's a progression from Hava to Sarah, all the way up to Esther. Even Esther is considered to be a Gilgal, a reincarnation of Sarah. Of Sarah, right. Yes, I've heard that before. Yes. Yeah. And there's a journey that each woman takes. She's like to go forward, to create greater balance between the masculine and the feminine in the world. And so these women do things independently to help restore the balance. So it goes more into the Kabbalistic teachings. The other book, Biblical Women Who Changed the World, has much similar material, but it goes more into the prophecies of biblical women. And seeing how they are being fulfilled in our time. And, and so it goes into the prophecies of Israel and of Rebecca, you know, the, the, the nations in her womb, you know, 
and the older one will serve the younger one. So we're seeing that when the Christians wake up and they start to realize that they cannot usurp the Jewish people, but that their mission is to support the Jewish people. The Christian world is, is Asaph, and that their mission is to support Yaakov according to the prophecy of Rebekah, we're seeing that beginning of that fulfillment in our time, that the evangelical Christian community loves Israel. This is much, true. Much more than, than many Jews. Unfortunately, yes. You know, they are there. I happen to be there in Israel during Sukkot when they march in the streets. Tens of, I don't know if you were ever there for that. No. It is inspirational. Tens of thousands of Christians from all over the world blowing kisses to, to the Jewish people, marching, expressing their love and dedication and their money and they're, you know, they come even when it's scary. They come from all, all over the world. So I wanted to make this book available for Christians as well as Jews because Christians don't have access to the hidden teachings. Right. That's they true. don't know these stories. And most Jews don't know these stories either. But but they definitely don't have access to these stories. And I wrote this book in appreciation for their love of Israel. But it's, you know, there's, I think what I came to realize that it was biblical women who changed the world. Yeah. <laughs> that the biblical women were the ones who may had the greatest impact on the Jewish people and on the world. And nobody told that story. And it makes, and we also learn that it will be the women today, the women who will usher in the messianic time. Just like the yeah. women, you know, the rabbis say it was the women because of the women that merited that the Jewish people left Egypt. So similarly, it will be the women who will bring this messianic era, which is all about the revelation of the divine feminine, which is... The divine feminine really means the imminence of God, that people will be aware that God is real and present in this world, that God isn't just up in heaven. Right. God is here within yeah. each of us and in everything that's happening in this world. There's not a separation between heaven and earth from God's perspective. We live in a perspective of duality and we think, you know, God is in heaven and I'm here on earth. No, God is everywhere. And, and we each as women have a unique role to share our gifts, our hearts as women and to not uh, give away our power when we are in situations where we may know better than the man. That's perfect. You said it all. You, you nailed it on the head. You're right. Exactly. Just like our, our biblical foremothers, you know, they were willing to stand up for what's right for them, you know, in their personal lives and also community wise as well. So thank you. 
Thank you so much, Melinda, for joining us on America's Top Robinsons. It was truly a pleasure to have you with us. And may our learning today be for Rafu Shalema, for Tamara Bar Elka, and also for Rachel Devorah Bashoshana. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you for the honor of speaking with you. Thank My you. Pleasure. My pleasure.